Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the Mitchin Podcast. Hey, what's up? And welcome to the Mitchin, a weekly. That's right, I said a weekly food podcast coming from Sydney. Uh, my name is Andrew Levins. Co host name is Mitchell Orr. Hi. Hi, good. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks so much for letting <laughs> me. We, started, we actually are in the Mitchin for once, or a Mitchin. A We're Mitchin. recording this one direct from Acme, where you can catch Mitch cooking uh, one night out of five. <laughs> <laughs> this is a weird ongoing joke. No comment. You host more podcasts than you cook and you've hosted <laughs> one podcast. <laughs> um, today we have a very special guest coming uh, to us from the far, far, far away land of South Australia. G'day. Adelaide. And fuck, I forgot to ask how to pronounce his last name before we started <laughs> you recording. Couldn't, you couldn't pronounce it anyway. You just let him do it. Voldemort. Duncan Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> is it, is it Velgamood? Uh, Velgamood. Velgamood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I will never attempt to say yeah, it again. Just call me the one that should not be named. <laughs> <laughs> um, all, uh, Duncan is uh, head chef and owner of um, Africola. Correct, in, yeah. In Adelaide, which is uh, until very, very recently or, or until... A, a point in the future has been uh, a modern South African restaurant yeah. in Adelaide, but you recently made the announcement that you will now start cooking North African. Correct. To yeah. which everyone who lives in Australia says, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah. Still don't understand You it. press hungry fuckwit. <laughs> uh, can't let fucking Neil get all the press. I'll fucking change what I'm doing too. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk to Duncan today about Africola and about uh, his adventures uh here and abroad, because you've, you've come up to um, do a little collaboration with a uh, frequent guest on the Mitchin, Morgan McGlone and the yep. Harpoon and Harry team, and Monty. Um, you did that last night, yeah? I did, yes. We're still feeling the effects this morning, so... Of, of the effects of, of just the hardcore cooking, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> the lines and lines <laughs> of hardcore... <laughs> 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 um, so... Yeah, what did what did Morgan and yourself do last night? You'd it was present- Colombian themed. All oh, right, uh, no, it wasn't. No, right, <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. Um, that's, that's, that's 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 in between North and South Africa, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's where is. Um, no, uh, Morgan's did some snacks. Um, I did three courses off our last menu. Um, and Monty got someone else to do the mise en place on his pastry. And he, <laughs> that, that was pretty much it, really. He just stood around and um, heckled. So I went to the Dolphin last night. Mm-hmm. And what time was the dinner? I'm pretty sure their dinner started at 6 o'clock. Morgie, yeah. Monty and Duncan were all still at the Dolphin at 7.15. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's so the- everyone definitely got their money's worth. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, you don't like go to like a Rihanna show. You know, and um, she's waiting for you on stage <laughs> to pitch up, really. 
<laughs> so Africola. Yes. You opened that how many years ago now? Uh, two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. And um, your background, as people can tell from the slight twinge in your accent, is South African. Correct. Yeah. Which is, uh, I think, for most Australians, the last... Uh, last people that you're allowed to be racist towards without any repercussions. It's true. It's true. It's because we're all assholes anyway. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is weird though. I feel like I'm not racist, but I will make fun of South Africans <laughs> as often as possible. Me it's too. like the mantra for so many people. Yeah. No, they are the worst people. <laughs> <laughs> people who make fun of South Africans or South Africans? No, South Africans. Okay, cool. Yeah, you, can, yeah. you can say it. It's fine. No, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just generally misanthropic. So, <laughs> um, so where had you been cooking in, in, in Adelaide before you opened Africola? Um, I had, I was cooking at a place called Bistro Dom. Um, well, pretty much I, I rocked up, um, to Adelaide, um, had a baby on the way, thought, fuck, like, I don't know what to do. Like, uh, you know, obviously I haven't had a kid before. Um, I want to do the kind of nine to five or, you know, just get a safe job just to get my head around the country. So the first job I got was actually, uh, executive chef of the Adelaide showgrounds, which sounds pretty crazy. Um, Dag with dogs and cheese on the sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no. It was that, it was a bit more intense than that, but um, it was one of those kind of serendipitous jobs um, where you get in, you get to meet, and you know, like hook up with you know people from like the Royal Agricultural Society, so you know the sort of old time established um, members of the community. Plus, you get to cook for your favorite bands in the world, and you know, making an impact. On them and be remembered by them, you know. So it was all like, all happened, and also logistically, how to do festivals, how to do massive events, mm. um, which I, I wouldn't have learned, you know, from a restaurant capacity without working there. So. Oh, totally. There are definitely like a lot of chefs that are, that are so fantastic at cooking for forty to sixty people and call that a crazy night. But the idea of cooking for over a hundred, two hundred, four hundred people is yeah. like so far from. What they're used to. Well, look, we're not here to talk about Luke Burgess, but no, I totally, um, I totally get that. <laughs> so, from the showgrounds, you went to uh, be straight on. So I thought, okay, did this for a year. I wanted to do the big events like the Royal Adelaide Show, which is fucking mental, to Big Day Out, Serious on X, you know, all the the music fest, and then gave it a year and thought, fuck it, I need to get a real job. Um, and what, what kind of food were you cooking at, at the showground? Oh, just dag with dogs. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, just um, like just your fucking event food, but nice. Nothing, sure. Nothing hardcore. Um, and then just riders, but really, you know, giving it the sort of you know Michelin star love on a fucking fruit platter. Yeah, but like actually giving a shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, no, that's really important. Like as someone that has done countless festivals, yeah. When you actually go to somewhere, and especially the backstage area, when they put effort into it, one of the best years of splendor ever was um, they had Darren Robertson, who's been on the Mitchin countless times from Three Blue Ducks. Um, he ran like a, like a, like a Mexican ta- cantina and was doing like Mexican food. I didn't he- know they had kale in Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was like uh, you could have a quail egg taco. And a bit of quinoa. And- <laughs> but no, it was, it was amazing. And it was like, you know, a talking point. It meant more bands and different people just hung out backstage and... And, yeah. and, and ate food and, and, and there was more of a reason to be there than just trying to steal everyone else's piss. Well, my, my brief was, look, Tool and Ramstein had a pretty fucking horrible tour. Um, and, you know, event chefs pretty much don't give a fuck about anything. Um, you know, they're clock watchers yeah, generally. just another job. they just like, whatever. Um, so can you please look after these guys? I'm like, well, Tool and Ramstein are like my favorite bands. Um, awesome. I'm going to blow them the hell away. 
And from that, you know, um, doing shots of tequila all night with Ramstein to being invited stage left, um, you know, to, uh, yeah, for Tool, the only person on stage with a sound tech. Um, you, know, you were cooking though, right? On stage? Yeah, on, on stage. And Duncan, then, I need a spring roll <laughs> and then, before I can do a sink stick fist. <laughs> <laughs> but then having the band, you know, on second track, um, look at me and thank me on stage was like, yeah, fuck yeah, done, awesome. Do they, with any context, or they just say thanks, Duncan, or they're like, they, 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 they let, let the crowd know why they were thanking you? No, 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 they all, they, they pretty much all stopped, went, they looked at me on stage left, and all took their, um, their heads to me. Yeah, they, they pointed their fingers out, and they said, Molto Bene, <laughs> They were like, food poisoning, that guy. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so, um, they kind of, like I said, you know, some people aren't proud of the fact that they, you know, from a restaurant cook to doing that sort of stuff. But if you give a fuck, it pays off, really. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <clears throat> so how, how many years ago was that? Fuck. Uh, 2010. Right. And so in between there, there and in Africola, you were at Bistro. Bistro Dom, Dom, yeah. And then when did you decide to, uh, to open up Africola? Um, myself and my business partner, James Brown, were like, we found a... Uh, well, we, we put on a massive festival actually called Lola's Pagola um, for the Adelaide Festival. So it was like their festival club. Um, and it was a mental success. And we really enjoyed working together with our little catering company called The Happy Motel. Um, and then from that, we were like, fuck it, let's open up a venue. Let's do it. So we found the spot. Um, I then thought, cool, we're about three weeks away. What's, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> You know, he needs context in terms of the design. Um, and I was like, fuck it, man. Let's just, let's just do African food. Um, you know, what I want to be cooking in 10 years. Like, who knows? Um, I was also very homesick at the time. Um, and I thought, yeah, you know, it's something to explore. It's my heritage, my culture. But it's, more importantly, it's, um, it's a hook in the sense where no one's really had my food experiences. And it's, you know, very rich growing up, especially in Africa. Um, did I want to fucking do Eurocentric bullshit? Did I want to have negative space and color blocking? Did I want to use Noma-esque crockery and buttermilk? Like, fuck that. You know, everyone to a certain extent is doing sort of, you know, whether it's contemporary Australian, blah, blah, blah. Millions of chefs are, you know, off the back of that whole kind of um, Nordic style or whatever. Um, Don't be too loud, man. We've actually got Pussy prepping in the in the room. <laughs> Don't be too loud. I might come and stab you. No, but, but, but do you know what I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, the chefs at the highest level um, in Australia, especially, are doing some fucking awesome stuff. Um, you know, what Mitch does at Acme, what Passy does, all individual cuisine. But it's very difficult for a chef to find that voice, really. They go through a whole other bunch of bullshit before they find... The context yeah, right, of having, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that is that is unique to them. Um, yeah, how, how many people did it take telling you that they loved your pasta so much? Did it take you to go like, maybe I should focus on this more? No, it's hard because I always liked cooking pasta, but I didn't really like cooking Italian food in a way. You know, like I like eating noodles and stuff and the context that I wanted to do it in took a while to come to. Like, it took a trip to Japan to make me go, fuck, why can't I just serve pasta like they serve these little noodle bars next to the yeah. train station and shit, you know? You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. it was like a accumulation of things. And it's, it did sort of take, you know, when I started doing the pasta degos at Buzo and stuff, when it was just pasta, then I was like, oh, fuck, people actually lose their mind for this shit 
maybe we can get away with it, you know. So it took a little while to push me in that sort of direction, but yeah. But the same thing, you know, like if I didn't have, if I didn't work at Duke and I didn't have all these, and then my time at Boozo and stuff, if I didn't have all that to sort of get through all that stuff like Duncan's talking about and push everyone else's voice out of my head and find my own style, like Acme wouldn't be what it is now. Yeah. Hundred percent. So, where did where were you able to kind of flex your South African cuisine ideas, and were you doing that at home, or was that coming through where you were cooking elsewhere beforehand? Um, no, it was it was pretty much like opening night. Yeah! Wow! Yeah, crazy. It was. Um, we didn't we didn't really know exactly how far we wanted to push it because when you do um, an ethnic cuisine, you know you can either stay true to what what it is or go the other way so it's finding that balance of you know having having something in terms of the flavors that's true um obviously flexing new techniques or current techniques um and also basically putting on the plate from your own sort of individual style and cooking so it it took us i reckon probably about six months to get in a confident and comfortable space to then start playing around and You know, you don't want to scare people off either. You don't, and also being South African and having a massive South African contingent support you, um, but also going, you know, oh, this is great, but my grandmother makes this dish better. But it's like, well, it's nothing, you know, it's not, it's yeah. very different from what your grandmother would make. It's not yeah. budokos in that sense. Um, and then it's taken us, I reckon, about a year and a half to actually take what we were doing, take the, the Southern African influence, to make it a. Um, yeah, to make it my food. And then we're very comfortable. And hence the one of the reasons we did the change. Because when we opened, the whole thing was, okay, James Brown, would my designer would be on, on the ground to go, okay, cool, we'll one day just change the look of the wall or change the look of the, the bar space or the floors or whatever. But because we were working on so many other fucking projects and stuff and you get into the routine of the day-to-day, um, we kind of thought, no, it's time to... To actually do it and to do it in a dramatic way. Also, I was sick of my fucking kitchen, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. It'll come as a surprise to nobody listening, but I'm quite ignorant when it comes to uh, South African food. What is, uh, what are like the, because like, you got that big coil sausage. That's about a all I know. Horse, yeah. <laughs> That's about all I got. Uh, South African food's a weird one because it's, um, especially like Johannesburg, because it's a melting pot from um, so many other um, cuisines of the world. You've got sort of Portuguese influence. But Portuguese through Mozambican food, which is its own thing. Like peri-peri chicken mm-hmm. is, you know, a great example of, of that. Um, got an Indian influence. Um, and then you got this sort of, you know, 12 Af- African tribes, you know, Zimbabwean. So it's actually pulling out the, the sort of hero street food dishes of that and making a menu. So um, it is quite diverse. I think we pretty much explored most South African foods. Um, with our last menu um, and it, it's great but it's also very restrictive because you're only you're using only particular things or ingredients um, and styles so one of the great things about going cool let's now do North African for, for two years or whatever it is is that the, the palette of flavour and ingredients are like fucking crazy right it's like Sardinian influence in Maghreb cuisine is just ridiculous you know what, what, what comprises North Africa is um so, like, well, Maghreb in particular is, like, Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco, um, parts of Somalia, Ethiopia. Um, yeah. Yeah, because only, the only food I've really had from... Uh, there's, there's Ethiopian spots 
in Sydney. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple. A Ghana, Ghana food. I'm trying to think of what, what, what else. Not, there, 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 there are small African joints across Sydney, especially in the West. I remember there was a dodgy place in Newtown called African Feeling when I lived in Newtown that I used to go all the time. That was um, a sex shop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, it is funny. I, I, I feel like, yeah, the, you, you could very easily do Africolas in every state and they'd probably take off as much as they have in Adelaide. Yeah, you could. I mean, the thing is, in terms of African food, the kind of um, mentality around it is, you know, it's suburban, it's home cooking, it's under $12. Do you know what I mean? It's not particularly pretty food. Sure. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are kind of, you know, in, in, in those suburban restaurants, it's not like you go, fuck, I really feel like, you know, an okra stew right now. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? It's, it, it serves its purpose for the community to a certain extent. So it's also kind of breaking it out of the mold of suburban and cheap or home cooking styles to something exciting. Elevating it a bit. Elevating, for sure. Yeah. And refining it and cleaning it up a little bit too. Yeah, so um, do we want to talk about some of your favorite dishes from, from the old menu or are you just all excited about the new menu? I'm pretty... I mean, it was nice to revisit some of the old dishes last night. What did you do? Um, uh, charred... I did this like charred cos, smoked mussel, spanner crab um, uh, cider dish. It's like a, a take on, on a mussel dish uh, that you get in Cape Town, the V&A waterfront um, growing up. Um, I did an ox heart and monkey gland sauce. And monkey glands like a, a, a like a South African barbecue sauce, right? Um, and then my sort of peri peri chicken with boom shakalaka. Yeah, what's boom shakalaka again? Shakalaka is a Sowetan relish. So boom shakalaka is like fermented radicchio with the flavors of this this um, Sowetan relish. You have actually told us that on the podcast before because uh, yeah, Duncan Duncan w- uh, was on our live at Rootstock episode in uh, in which uh, you were the first person we spoke to on that drunk mess of a podcast that we recorded that day yeah and uh you uh you were cooking an entire cow over coals i was yes it was like the, for like the ridiculous yeah and you were kind of like in in some big industrious space just just slaving away at the coals all day yeah, yeah i thought i was losing my mind I was, <laughs> um, yeah i tried to be funny but i had i, I couldn't pull it off I, was, <laughs> hey, I had nothing you were useful you told us what bomb shakalaka was yeah exactly and, and clearly it stayed with me because i just had to ask you what it was again. <laughs> that's still on this menu I, I can't let go of my peri chicken yet just for the moment um but with a new menu uh it's 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 all about like the breads essentially so we ripped out our kitchen restructured it put an entire bread section in there um so we've got a a pretty mental sort of three ferment bread program um we cook breads to order um yeah it's, it's pretty crazy so it's, it's 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 quite bread heavy but more veg focused got about 19 veg dishes so you know i was always kind of it's, it's one of the things that always pissed me off like people expect being south african being a big boy and cooking on fire that i'm always going to be i'm going to be the meat guy mm-hmm and unfortunately for events, I've always been the meat guy. So I was like, oh, that's that guy who fucking, you know, strangles sheep in the park and throws them <laughs> on, you know, a meat serial killer. Um, but the menu's always been, you know, a good balance. But this one, I really wanted to go super, super, super veg heavy. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I saw recently you were featured in an article about best veg dishes in Adelaide and it had a cauliflower dish you'd done. Yeah, yeah. And that was Australia. 
Oh, right. <laughs> so, I, That's really I, I, I didn't read. Maintain <laughs> 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 the piss on <laughs> but there's, yeah. a, there's only three other vegetable dishes in Adelaide. So. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them's wine. <laughs> <laughs> um. Are you doing so the, the breads and is it the, who does the, the that big the big spongy bread that you that you dip all the, from all the different you have like a big circle of spongy bread and then you, oh, you it's, rip it's like injera yeah, yeah 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 and where's that from again Ethiopia yeah yeah, Ethiopia. Ethiopia. Cool. yeah th- this is more like um, um, sabich so um, Ethiopia well kind of like upper Ethiopia Egyptian Palestinian Jewish um, fermented breads cool yeah. Wait, is that like is that kind of crusty or is it spongy or? It's like a, it's like an awesome pizza bread, right? I'd say, yeah. You know, puffs up of bubbles. It's got a little bit of a pocket, and then we we baste it with a, um, a sort of mental weird disco mix butter, <laughs> essentially. Um, yeah. And what, and you, what the idea is, you kind of like have the bread with a, a couple of these vegetable dishes, or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With um, a fuckload of condiments and weird wine. But it's, yeah, it's mental. We just, we're still trying to get ahead around it because we reopened without telling anyone we're reopening just to kind of, you know. Give yourself a head start. Yeah, and because it's a new kitchen, new setup, and we ended up getting absolutely destroyed and we haven't stopped. So we're kind of troubleshooting as we go along. Yeah. But it's um, got destroyed on Saturday night, but fuck, it was, you know, you get to a point where it's like everything kind of fits into, you know. Yeah, all the gaps are filled and you're just like, fuck yeah, this is actually sick. Has the most popular dish already emerged in the short time you've done the menu menu? No, it's so evenly spread, um, which is also brilliant. It's not like, okay, your fucking whatever, your peri chicken is you know, still outselling everything. Um, but no, it's evenly, evenly spread. But people are actually going more to the, the sort of feed me menu than anything else. So they're just trusting us for you know, doing a whole oh, bunch of Oh, right. Shit. Yeah, sure. So how, how do you structure that? Um, it's four courses, uh-huh. 55 bucks. Um, and yeah, we just feed the hell out of you. So that's like 20 Sydney dollars. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you doing for desserts? Um, we've got a, a, a Tej and Medjool date sticky toffee rice pudding. Um, we have a, a kind of like weird coconut risella a hot buttered um, rum tea dessert um, we've got a bit of sort of retail Jets cracker styles with our Turkish delight ice, um, ice cream sandwich <laughs> um, and I'm working on a um, influences everywhere man yes. <laughs> we're worldwide baby <laughs> um, and we're doing actually an Ethiopian tiramisu like tiramisu is fucking huge in Ethiopia right that's right. why well because it's the, the, uh, the Italian influence there sure um, and we're doing it we're making our own we've made our own honey mead um, and sparse coffee and you've got all the elements just to make something a bit bit more mental so I really want to do a tiramisu it sounds ridiculous but it's like so restricted for two years in a particular cuisine but then you've got like I said everything open to in Maghreb so it's like you know wow yeah so have you got a lot of South African family near you where you live now or no no no, no. they're all still in Joburg so when did you move over 
2010, 2010. Yeah, from, right. But I'm, I was in Europe for 10 years beforehand. So did, is there a community of South Africans that, that, that fell in love with the food that you were doing at Africola or is it generally not really met with any was anger it just, when you changed was it over? Just Tony Gregg when the tests were in Adelaide. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Oscar Pistorius is a big fan. Um, <laughs> we just, uh, yeah, just follow him to the toilets, really. Um, no, no, like, that's a, that's a good thing. Like, South Africans are very patriotic, and we have had a shitload of support um, from the South African community all over Australia. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's always nice. Um, a lot of them probably don't know I've switched to North African, but I don't give a shit. Yeah. Don't have them. to tell them. Don't have to tell them. <laughs> so no, no anger yet. No, that's why we have sort of cheap South African brandy to smooth it all over. <laughs> What's that called? Clip drift. Clip drift. What does it taste like? Is it good? Is it one of those ones that's secretly good or is it awful? Uh, you know what it is? It's like, it's it's very Moorish actually, but you can only have it with Coca-Cola. Right. Yeah. Otherwise it's fucking the worst. So that was that. That's that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cheap Fiji in Malibu, Bombora Fuji. or something. No, uh, no. fuck. Um, Bounty, Bounty. Yeah, that's cheap. Cheap Fiji in Malibu. Yeah, taste of bile and misery. <laughs> we had yeah Louis Tikaram's wedding um, <laughs> years ago. I was in Fiji. I was actually thinking about that the other day. About um, so he he brought over, you know, for we all went over. There was about 10, 15 chefs. I was there. Mitch was there. Mike Eggett was there. Yeah, Clayton was there. Um, He's of other people. Um, he's of other chefs. And um, everyone was like, Louis, Louis. Like, we were there for four days before the wedding ever. Where can we eat? Where can we eat? Where can we eat? Like, where's good to eat? And he was just like, by the third day, he was like, okay, here's the thing. There's nowhere fucking good to eat here. <laughs> <laughs> Stop asking me. Because everyone, he had like, you know, Sydney's best chefs taking out their anger on the lack of food options on him. Like, he was responsible for an entire island's worth of food. <laughs> to be fair, he is. <laughs> I still hold him accountable. But yeah, we, we drank way too much bounty while we were there. Oh, uh, good. <laughs> Gross. What, what, are, what are some, what, like growing up, what, what is food like in Johannesburg? What, what like, is it, you know, it's still quite obviously extremely, you know, as Western as we are here, but with a small amount of African influence or? 
No, it's, um, I don't know, like my food experiences, my dad was um, chef restaurateur. Um, so in, in Johannesburg itself. At Johannesburg like, Showgrounds, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, Big tool fan. <laughs> Black Sabbath. Um, there's heaps of Portuguese places, right? Um, and it's all cooked by Mozambican chefs, kind of like, you know, in America, you get like the sort of Mexican crew um, boxing out the cooking. It's the same um, in South Africa with Mozambicans. Um, there's a massive Greek community mm-hmm. in Johannesburg. I mean, massive Lebanese um, as well and Jewish. Right. So northern Johannesburg, where I grew up, is heavy, heavy Jewish Palestinian um, communities. So that you know, that's how I grew up eating eating that kind of food. Um, my maid slash second mother, Julia Ledwaba, um, taught me. I, I'd have to cook every single day with her dinner and she was a she was a chef um for my dad and then basically she was like cool i'm not going to do that anymore i'm gonna i want to retire is like cool you want to look after my son beautiful only if i can a teach him how to cook um traditional foods mm-hmm. and b if i only speak suited to him so he can learn my language right and that's how i grew up really um so on school holidays I used to go um to haman's kral her the sort of informal settlement there and um, basically live with her for like, you know, six, eight weeks of the year, really. Yeah, wow. So how old were you when that happened? Uh, probably between the ages of eight and 15. Sure. Yeah. And how quickly did, did you go from like fucking hating cooking to loving it? Oh, I've always, I mean, it's always been like food in my household. I mean, that's been the biggest thing. Like the biggest event in, in the day is dinner. No matter what, what's happening in the world, no matter what's happening at home, Dinner is the culmination of your day. It's the, the reward. So we would always put massive, massive effort into it. What kind of... I, I'm, yeah, this, this is, that's wild. I'm glad I asked that question. Like, what, what kind of dishes were you, were you being taught how to cook? Um, oh, everything from like... Um, I'd come home from school and I'd be hungry. And my maid's like, cool, she's put pup or, you know, milli meal on the stove. Um, and I, I don't know what either of those things are. So, um, like, uh, it's like a white polenta. You keep asking all these questions, and I'm sure you have absolutely no idea what anything Duncan Anza <laughs> says to you. Cause, and you have this look on your face like, I need to ask that question again because I didn't understand any of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, pups are like white polenta, uh-huh. like fine ground white polenta, essentially. And she'd make it um, in the morning. We'd have it with our porridge. It would stay, go, you know, cool um, by lunchtime. So it'd be really like thick, pull pieces off. And I'd have to make a sheba, which is a, um, like a tomato gravy with little fresh water sardines um, uh, called capenta and morojo, which is a wild spinach. And that was our lunch every day. Um, and once I'd eaten that, you know, I'd have to, she'd keep chickens. We'd have to kill the chickens for dinner. So it'd be roast chicken for dinner. And then... Um, that would be what the, the whole family would eat. Um, and then she only wanted the offal and the feet. That's right. her favorite bit of the chicken. So we'd be sitting on milk crates, basically cleaning our chicken intestines in a bucket, just, you know, pulling all the shit out of it, you know. Um, so I killed my first chicken, you know, eight years old and every day since. And that was the start of me having killed all the... Yeah. How many, how many chickens do you kill every day now? None. I've got three, but my kids would fucking disown me, really. <laughs> You know, <laughs> you're training himself, mate. I know, I know, I know. I got to take him to an abattoir one day. So, yeah. Um, or you could just what, like let them watch you kill a camel and cook it whole. 
I've never, yeah, I've never killed a camel. I've, I've killed a lot of animals, but <laughs> yeah, a camel would be um, yeah, pretty crazy, especially with a coat hanger. I think. So Duncan just got to Acme before we started recording, and, and Passy is, uh, is is prepping in Mitch's kitchen, and uh, somehow before we even turn the mics on, you got into a bragging match about the most ridiculous animals you've cooked. And Passy's sitting over there like, no, I don't have anything to say, and I just had this fifteen minute amazing conversation about nothing from nothing. Yeah, and he's like, no, 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 wait till I've got something interesting. <laughs> 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 like everything out of his mouth isn't interesting, you know. What I'm I mean? still going to say that he's on this episode. All, all, all the banging pots you can hear in the background yeah. could be credited to him. Um, <laughs> but uh, you were saying that you at one point. For I don't know what for you did like a tadakan but with a camel. No, it's it's something we want to do. Um, I've spit roasted a camel, a camel before, but I actually want to do a Bedouin camel. A what? Sorry, a Bedouin camel, okay. which is like um, a, a tadakan camel, which is uh, a lamb stuffed in a camel, goat stuffed into the lamb, quails stuffed into um, the goat. goat, and then all filled with couscous and spices, and then you sew the stomach up, and then you spit roast it. And it's what um, they used to do. Uh, in the desert in sort of Saudi Arabia sort of Bedouin camels um, as, uh, myself and a friend of mine were offered at one point to go to a nuclear test facility like an abandoned one in, in the desert of South Australia to do one uh-huh. and for whatever reason life happened and we didn't do it but um, I was speaking recently I was like fuck man I have to do it before the end of the year Especially in that site, that sounds awesome. With all that plutonium, and <laughs> you don't even need to bring an oven. Yeah, I just re- reanimate the today. <laughs> but you were saying that there's a lot of danger involved when cooking a camel. It is like um, you got to really nail the the cooking and the temperature because the humps um, almost get like molten fucking lava, and they explode during the cooking. Um, which is Just yeah. pure fat. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and it's that versus also getting enough heat into it so it doesn't rot while it's cooking. While it's cooking. You know? So it's, yeah. It's not like fucking cryovacking and putting something in the water bath, you know? <laughs> yeah, Mitch. Yeah, yeah Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just because I cook my pasta in a 60 degree circulator. <laughs> <laughs> um, why, when have you cooked a camel before? Um, that was. It was like like four years ago. Mm-hmm. We got a camel and at yeah. the bistro you were working at, or yeah, it was for an event. Um, we were playing around with a whole bunch of like weird animals, trying to make them delicious. Um, I mean, one of the things I did. It sounds really uh, sounds really bad. Um, I was the, for Adelaide Festival. There was a thing called Barrio. It was its festival club, and they did this like whole thing called the Naughty Corner, where they would. It was kind of performance art dinner where people were completely stripped, um, made to wear like lycra onesies, and not knowing what the fuck's going on, all their phones taken away and sat at this dinner. They didn't know what it was about. And every dinner had a mental theme, really. And the one I got roped into was the Snowtown, Snowtown theme. Okay. Right? And they had like, um, you know, just normal people walking and going, oh, I'm, I booked dinner. It's like, okay, put on this lycra onesie, no phones, and then you know, totally separated from their friends and all just sat at this long table with um, inserted guests. You know, one was like a, the forensic expert that worked on, on the case. Another one was one of the lawyers. Another one was like the police chief. Mitch would have killed himself by now. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my no, phone? Where's my Bang. phone? No. I don't care Do about what? serial killers. Do you know what? <laughs> um, tweeted or it didn't happen. Um, 
yeah, and no one knew about it. Even the guys, like the director of Snowtown, and they were there, and they just got invited. They didn't know what it was about. And then I had to do a sort of Snowtown um, dinner, and I was experimenting with animals. So I ended up spit roasting a kangaroo, uh-huh. um, smoking fish in barrels um, with sort of bank beds full of seasoning. It was pretty crazy. But it's actually good. It sounds really fucking tasty. I, I actually thought you were about to say, yeah, and I cooked a person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in, in acid in a yeah, barrel. In acid. <laughs> but, um, in, in plutonium. <laughs> yeah. But that, that was from, I was experimenting with what animal I'd be cooking at the head of the table. Yep. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. Can we go back to your insane upbringing that sure. uh, I would have never guessed in a million years that that happens to anybody <laughs> these days? Yeah. Um, so your love of cooking comes from you being raised by this lady. Yeah, and, and my dad being a chef. Of course, yeah, and, sure. Yeah. So when you decide to become a chef yourself, how old are you then? I never wanted to be a chef, right? I wanted to be an Egyptologist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, what is that? <laughs> uh, so, uh, someone is like archaeologists that bases themselves in Egypt. Okay, sure. Yeah. All right. That was, that was my thing. And Even I could have worked that out if I thought about <laughs> it for a <that> second. <laughs> what is an Egyptologist? You had a hard day today, Liv. <laughs> <laughs> Every day is a hard day. Um, and basically what happened was uh, I was 16. I'd finished school at about 13. Um, By finished, do you mean got kicked out, left? Uh, for Satanism. <laughs> I was in a fundamentalist Christian school, right? And because I listened to Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails, um, I wasn't very liked, to be honest. Because uh, we moved from Johannesburg to Mpumalanga province, which is like on the border of Mozambique. Because my dad got shot. And we thought, fuck, let's get out of Joburg because this is just too crazy. Um, and the only schools there were like real fucking evangelist mm-hmm. schools. And there's the city boy. I got into a few fights. Um, it wasn't my fault. When I was in year eight, I shoplifted a nine-inch nail CD and a Marilyn Manson CD in the same day from a sanity pop-up. <laughs> Fucking legend. <laughs> Such a legend. Um, so, yeah. So, they expelled me for Satanism, obviously, for defending myself and blah, blah. Anyways. So, I, I thought, there's no way I'm going to the last two remaining schools, which were both Afrikaans. Um, so, I left school. Um, at 16, I was manager of a block, my uncle's blockbuster video, yes. <laughs> which was like Clerks you know, for me, really, like the movie Clerks, you know, playing The Exorcist at Saturday morning, 11 o'clock when the kids are trying to buy their, rent their cartoons and <laughs> having sex with um, randoms in the office. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> I'll be with you in one second, sir. Um, and beautiful like, people. <laughs> yeah, beautiful exactly. Um, and my cousin was like, look, we're going to the UK. Do you want to come? I'm like, yeah, I got some money. Got a British passport. Got nothing else to do. So, yeah, left. Six hours off the plane. Walking around fucking Soho going, right, let's have our first beer, boys. Uh, oh, what is this place? Soho Strip Club. Brilliant. You know, they must serve beer there. Go down, pay 10 fucking pounds to go in. Um, and then got fleeced. All my money taken. Um, you know, it's the kind of like sit down. And, uh, you know, what can I get you, boys? Oh, we only serve Coca-Cola. And you're like, oh, let's get the fuck out of here. Oh, but we paid 10 pounds. We might as well see what's going to go, you know, what's going to happen at the strip club. Can we please join you? Yeah, do it. Menu at the back, like 3,000 pounds to accept the company of the fucking Drongo stripper. And it's like, brilliant. And obviously, straight off the plane, all your traveler's checks, all your cash, everything. And then they mugged us, essentially. Um, So I was like, fuck 
I haven't paid my hostel. I don't know what the fuck to do. Only thing I know how to do is kind of cook. So really, really depressed walking around South Kensington. I saw a little ad in the shop window, Chef the Party Wanted, at a restaurant called um, La Boucher. Um, walked in there, got the job immediately, which was so surprised. I was like, fucking amazing. I must be like the best, I don't know, bullshitter on the planet. I'm six, you know, like just like turning 17, zero experience really in a professional stage. And I got the job. It turns out that this was probably the most violent fucking kitchen in London, mm-hmm. all French kitchen. Um, and that's why I got it because I had no fucking staff. Um, but I survived <laughs> it for, for six months really until, um, until I left. And that was it. That was the start of me cooking professionally. Can, right. And where do you go from there? Because I'm sorry, you don't get away with like not finishing stories because I feel like around every corner is the most batshit tale. <laughs> so um, the last day at La Boucher, um, the sous chef Jean-Baptiste was the only guy that was kind of protecting the crew because the head chef was a violent motherfucker, like super, you know, punching kitchen hands, kicking them down the stairs because like upstairs, downstairs kind of kitchen. Um, he got into a fist fight in the service um, sort of at the tail end of lunch and walked out. Right? And I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm in the shit. Anyways, the two, two Mexican kitchen hands are um, busy blitzing a 50-liter pot of uh, bouillabaisse, right? I'm packing up my mise en place to take it downstairs, um, you know, from the service kitchen. And all of a, all of a sudden, uh, I hear, picho cabron. And I'm like, what the fuck? Turn around. My tray had hooked on the... The you know the the big Robocoop stick blender cord, and it poured fifty liters of bouillabaisse all into the restaurant. <laughs> Carpeted floors, about an inch thick of bouillabaisse, and I hadn't even finished passing. So just chunks of fucking bone and bullshit. The chef looked at me. I'm like, fuck. I run downstairs, <laughs> jump out the window. Had a very tender moment with one of the kitchen hands. I gave him my Energade out my locker and it was like the best thing. We had this little touching moment of him grabbing my Energade and he was like... What's, the, what's an Energade? You know, like, like a Gatorade or... Like okay, Gatorade. yeah, okay. Again, I could have worked that out if I started thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking struggling. Right? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I was the one cooking at the Africola blah, blah, blah. Yeah, night. I know, right? <laughs> um, and ducked out the window and then from there... got Wait, a, So you never saw that guy again? No, no. That's just, awesome. Um, <laughs> And uh, answered an ad um, in Oxfordshire. Um, a, they, this guy was looking for a second chef at a place called the Goose at Burwell Salome. Um, and it was owned by another guy called Chris Barber, who was the personal chef for Prince Charles and uh, Princess Diana. Um, and he had bought this pub in Burwell Salome in, in Oxfordshire. They are looking for a second chef. I started there. Second chef in England means the other dude, there's only a head chef, it's you, and you're the... CDP, commie, kitchen hand, fucking everything. And um, yeah, from there, six months later, we got a Michelin star, the two of us. I was, I was 18, Mark North was 21. How old are you now? I'm 32. So we've got, t- we've got 20, 14 years worth of tales. How long have you got to, to, to fill us in every ridiculous <laughs> bullshit moment in your life since that point? I know, right? Fuck. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and that was it. And then... From there to uh, Le Manoir, Ramsey's, Fatak, blah, 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 blah. Star trekking. Sure. Essentially. And why Australia? Because uh, my missus is from Australia. Right, sure. And where'd you guys meet? Uh, in Oxfordshire. 
Yeah, she was a uh, restaurant manager um, and then became pastry chef under me and then became my girlfriend under me <laughs> and got pregnant. And that's how it happened. <laughs> Anyways, next question. <laughs> I knew I wouldn't have to make that under me joke because I knew he'd get it yeah. by himself. <laughs> yeah, at least one of us is on the ball today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Africola is where you're at now after that incredible abridged yeah. uh, story of your crazy life. Yeah. Um, has, 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 have you fed since coming to Australia or even as a chef at all, have you fed this lady who, who taught you how to cook alongside your father? No, you know, that's the, there's, there's some of the regrets I have in my life. Um, one, my dad died five years ago and having never cooked for him professionally is one of them. And also Julia, Julia, when I left to England, uh, my parents moved house. Um, she was getting on a bit age-wise, um, so she completely retired. I then um, lost touch with her because, you know, informal settlements. It's not like you know, everyone has mobile phones. Or no, there's no Wi-Fi, bro. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, I'm yeah, I haven't seen her. Yeah, right. Since so, yeah, which is pretty fucking shit. Seeing as she. Was, had such a pivotal role in my life. So. Have you searched for her on in- Instagram lately? Or? Uh, no, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I have searched for her um, and, yeah, like pretty extensively, mm. but it's um, to nothing. Hopefully she's a big podcast fan. Yeah, exactly. Just, just checking those for some reason Sydney. I'm pretty sure she's got a charts. she's got a gourmet traveler subscription. <laughs> <laughs> now, lucky she's a lucky peach contributor. <laughs> <laughs> well, so as a father um, who has had a insane life as a chef, is is you know, do you have any desire to see your sons grow up to be chefs? No, <laughs> um, my three year old my three year old hustles like a fucking thirty five year old chef pretty much on the tail end of his career you know um but no no not really but i can't really say that my mom never wanted me to work in the hospitality industry um yeah i don't know no probably not Uh, but look whatever they do as long as they fucking do it well um with as much ambition and integrity Mm. if they are working in you know some trongo backwater pub or whatever then i probably wouldn't be too happy but if they were you know head chef of acme that'd be right it'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> can they uh, can they pronounce their last name um yeah kind of no they can but they can't spell it <laughs> and you know the worst thing is so my, so my, my full name is duncan ashley valkamut right and as a kid is really, really, really fucking hard for me at sort of six years old to write that on the board, especially when the dickhead next to you's name is like Alfie Smith or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, thanks, dude. So my kid's name is uh, Maxwell Robert Glendening Velkomutz and Alexander William Ralph Velkomutz. So you didn't do them any favors? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, they can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> What else are you doing while you're in Sydney? Um, just just seeing friends, basically. Um, so, yeah, lunch at the Dolphin, drinks the Unicorn, uh, hooking up with um, Mike Benny, and then Upside for Excellence Awards, um, which I was a national judge. Um, that's tonight, yeah. Yeah, that's tonight. And then probably Hubert for Late Night Eats, really. Solid plan. You fly back tomorrow? 6 a.m. No sleep. No sleep. No, no sleep. <laughs> Not ever. No sleep. Um, and if we're, anyone listening right now is ever in Adelaide uh, and they want to check out Africola, 
africola.com.au, yeah? Correct. Yeah. And um, where, what's the address? Number f- don't have the internet for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Before I forgot out to know, I must listen to this entire podcast. <laughs> if you're looking at the Lonely Planet uh, map of Adelaide, uh, we're number four East Terrace. Um, open Tuesday to Saturdays from 6 p.m. till late. Um, and do not ask me for bags like Colin Fastnage. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's next after North Africa when you get sick of this in two years? East, West. You know, okay, that makes sense. I could have, could have got that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> you should just edit yourself out of this podcast. Nah, never, never. <laughs> Duncan, give a shout out to the uh, Pakistani cafe in um, Adelaide as well, which is another must go to. Yeah, um, Afghan. Afghan um, sorry, Parwana. Fucking awesome. What the, do they do? Uh, just, just sort of um, traditional and, and sort of street food. Uh, well, Afghani food, but it is done with such love and integrity. And something that it's, it's, it's amazing. Delicious. It's, it's delicious. It's the best. Yeah. Absolute best. Any other hot Adelaide tips? Um, but Arana is good. Um, McGill Estate's good. Ferment's Asian in the Barossa is always overlooked. Just won Best Wine List in Australia Gourmet Traveller Wine Awards. Um, it is fucking sick. And it's also run by the most beautiful, beautiful people. And Lost in the Forest. The beautiful people. Beautiful the people. beautiful people. And Lost in the Forest by Tara Sakota. Um, is is fucking sick. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. If anyone wants to follow Duncan on uh, Instagram, Are you on Instagram? Uh, Gastropunk Oz. Oh, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, man. And uh, Africola's on there too. It is Af- at Africola underscore Sound System. Amazing. And you can find uh, Mitch Orr on there, Instakrill, or Krill on the Run on Twitter. And I'm Levdog, L E V D A W G. If you've liked what you heard, uh, let us know. Facebook.com slash The Mitchin. Um, or send us an email to The Mitchin Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, while, you're, while you're listening, sign into iTunes and give us a nice review because uh, the more nice reviews you get, the more episodes we'll make. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Mitchin Table. Peace. See ya. It's the Mission Podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.